Good morning. That's really bright. How are you guys? Welcome to church. It's so wonderful to see all of you. I can't actually see you, but hypothetically, it's wonderful to see all of you. I'm just going to pray this morning as we uh, enter this place of worship. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters and to lift your name up. Lord, I just ask that you would fill this place with your presence, that each and every person would sense your spirit with them, that you would be bringing comfort and healing and grace and mercy where we need it this morning, God, because we need it. We need you. And I ask that you would help us not to just sing songs that are being projected up on a screen, but to think about the words that we're saying, to meditate and let those words saturate our hearts for us to really enter into a place of worship, to really be able to mean what we're saying to you this morning, God. I just ask that you would help us as we walk into this room to leave behind all the things that have been weighing us down this week, just any anxieties, stress, even just the regular things of life, God, that you would just give us this moment of reprieve just with you in your presence where there's life. And we thank you for that because it's, it's a wonderful blessing and a privilege to be able to do that with you this morning. Amen. All right. Let's worship him.
Amen. I'm going to read a call to worship to you guys this morning from Isaiah this time, not Psalms. We like Psalms a lot. But similarly, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. Let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. Amen.
Please continue to remain in an attitude of worship and praise and prayer this morning as we um, just spend some time in corporate prayer. And I know that you guys are all very well aware of what's going on in the world. And I think that um, church, we need to be faithful in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Russia, um, in that area of the world 
those in, in families and military. We just have a lot of people to remember this morning and to lift up in prayer. And so I just want to invite you this morning to take a posture that is comfortable for you so that you can faithfully come before the Lord in prayer and as we pray together as a congregation. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God of glory, God of majesty, Lord, we come before you this morning just in complete awe of your goodness, of your greatness. And God, we, we're just reminded as we contemplate how good and great you are, Lord, we are reminded of how small we are. And in the face of all that's going on in the world, God, I know I'm not alone in feeling so small, so helpless, so overwhelmed and grieved at all that is taking place on this very day. God, we know that, that none of this is lost on you. God, we know that you, you see, you know what's going on. You've heard the cries of your children. But God, we know that as your church, as your people, we are called to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are suffering in the face of, of war this morning. God, we, we call out and cry out on behalf of those whose future feels shaky this morning. We call out for those in Ukraine and in Russia and in the surrounding areas, God, who they just don't know what tomorrow holds. It feels so scary and overwhelming. God, we don't know what that feels like. We can only imagine how distraught and afraid they must feel. And so, God, we call upon you this morning. God of all creation. God, we just call to you this morning, we pray that you would draw near to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Russia. God, would you draw so near to them that they would have a peace unspeakable. God, would they just know that you are, are with them, that you will not leave them, you will not forsake them. God, we pray, we just pray for peace. Pray for comfort. God, we pray for safety for those families, those children. It's overwhelming. But God, we will call out to you nonetheless. God, we pray for those who are at work here in this Lord, we don't understand all of it. We might think we do, but I don't think we do. But God, we just pray this morning for those who are making these decisions, Lord, for leaders who are taking these steps. God, we just pray for wisdom. We pray for there to be peace. 
God, that feels really risky to pray for. That feels really scary, and it at times feels impossible. But we are reminded this morning that we serve the God of the impossible. We are reminded this morning that our God is the one true God. You are Yahweh. You are the Lord of creation. And God, we know that there's nothing you can't do. And so we pray for the impossible this morning. We will pray these risky prayers, confident and trusting in the God who is not done working yet. But God, we also pray that we would be people who actively bring peace. God, we, we know, we are, are convicted this morning, we are challenged. I'm challenged, God, because I know that, that peace is not just something that I ought to pray for, but it's something that I ought to work for. It's something that we are called to bring as image bearers of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to be people of peace. We are to be peacemakers. So God, we just pray that you would humble us. God, when we think that we know the, the right answers and the wrong answers, God, just humble us and help us to work to make peace right here, right now, right where you've put us. God, we just pray that you would comfort those who are grieving today. Comfort those who are experiencing tremendous loss today. For all that's going to happen, Lord, just would you just bring comfort and peace. Hold them close to you, Lord. God, we pray that, that those who are hurting and grieving and scared, those who are scared, we just pray that they would experience you in such a real and powerful way. God, we know you can and we know you will. Lord, I just pray that you would be with those in our midst, in our congregation today. Lord, we continue to pray for those who are, are sick and, and just dealing with various health issues, God. We, we don't forget them. We remember them this morning. Those who have not been able to worship with us, Lord, we remember them. We think of them this morning, and we bring them to you in prayer. God, we just pray that, that for those who are just experiencing the long, dark winter, maybe they're feeling that in their soul, God, would you just remind us this morning that spring is coming, that brighter days are ahead, and that you are our God. You are the light of the world, and you go before us. Help us to walk in that promise and in that truth today and every day. And God, we just pray now that as we open up your word, God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts this morning. God, would you speak to us? 
God, would you move in a new and fresh way this morning? Along with all the other risky things that that we pray for this morning, God, we call upon you and we pray that you would give us a fresh desire, a new desire to live in the ways that you've called us to live. Give us a new passion. Ignite our passion. Awaken our souls. God, would you just do something new and fresh in our midst? And God, we recognize that that we have a role to play in that, that we have to be obedient. God, we have to do what you've called us to do, and we know that we will see you move. We know that you will see this new thing that you want to do right here, right now. God, would you help us to see what that is? We pray, God, for the strength to be faithful. And we look forward to the things that you are going to do in us and around us. And this morning, we pray all of these things confident in the one who is able. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we are reaching the end of this particular journey. We've been in this series for the past several weeks now, this series called Organic Disciples. Uh, For those of you who maybe this is the first time that you're here with us during this series, or maybe some of you have missed several weeks of this series, I've got good news for you, and it's going to make everybody else like, are you kidding me? But but just trust me on this. We're going to kind of recap all that we've talked about, but don't freak out because we're going to do it quickly and efficiently, and I'm not going to keep you here all day, I promise. Uh, But this morning, and here's the thing, I was wrestling, like, do I go back and kind of recap quickly some of the things we talked about? And and I was tempted with, you know, thinking that that's going to be too much, and they don't want to hear that again. They don't need to hear that again. But then I thought, you know what, I'm so... I'm so convinced that this is so important that it's worth going over again, quickly, briefly. It's so important, and I feel so confident that this is the word for God's people, that this is what we really need to be thinking about. This is where we need to be challenged, that it's worth just diving in one last time before we wrap it all up. I'm really confident that that's what we need this morning, and so that's what we're going to do. But I'm just going to ask you to to hang with me. We're going to go rather quickly until we get to the end where we're going to tie it all up. And I'm excited, and and I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope that you've been challenged. I hope that that there has been a week somewhere along the way where you have realized an area that needs nurturing. An area, um, one of these markers, one of these six markers that we've talked about, I hope you've been able to identify an area that you just need to nurture a little bit, an area that you need to grow in a little bit. And, And I hope that you feel equipped I hope that you have some practical steps that you can take or that you've identified some of those steps that you can take to grow into mature disciples or followers of Jesus. Because we're not called to, to just stay how we are. We're not to remain stagnant. We are called to grow. Amen? We're called to grow. Amen? We are called to, to be deeply rooted and to grow in spiritual maturity. And the work doesn't stop. 
I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care what your title is in the church. Our growth, my growth doesn't stop. It, it continues to, to grow deeper and deeper because the Lord continues to move in my life and in yours. And so this is important. And I hope that you've realized that this week. So going way back to week one, quickly, we, we talked about three or, or a few questions. We identified a few questions that were important as we started this journey. As, as we were talking about discipleship and what that looks like, we started with some questions that were needed and necessary. And we asked, how can I know if I'm growing as a disciple? You say that it's important. You say that I should be growing. I should be growing in my spiritual maturity. So how do I know what am I using to measure this growth? Well, we talked about how first and foremost, we recognize that spiritual maturity is the work of the Holy Spirit, that it's nothing we can do. I can't do anything. I am responding to what the Holy Spirit has already done. And so we recognize that if the Holy Spirit does not have room in my heart or space in my heart to move freely, to, to challenge me, to, to even convict me if necessary, when necessary, if the Holy Spirit doesn't have a voice in my life, then the rest of this is worthless. It's useless. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work that we have to respond to. We have to respond to that work. And we recognize that if the Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts, if he is welcome and, and moving freely in our hearts, then we're going to see the fruits, right? And we talked about those fruits in Galatians 5. You know them. You can, you can sing them, right? We talked about those fruits, and those fruits should be evident in our lives. We should be able to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and in our lives. Then we talked about these seven markers. Today we're talking about the seventh along the way, and we'll get to those in a minute, that these are also things that we should see evident in our lives. These things are evidence of what the Holy Spirit is doing and, and how we are growing. Then we asked the question that, that we all really wrestle with sometimes, I think. We, we asked, is discipleship really more than just my personal relationship with Jesus? Like, why do I need more than that? Isn't, isn't Jesus and, and my personal relationship with Jesus enough? And I will always say, yes, Jesus is always enough. Amen? Jesus is enough, but Jesus has given us the gift of each other. Jesus has given us the gift of relationship and community, and with that comes discipleship. Jesus has given us a gift that we have somebody that can take our hand, someone who is more mature spiritually than we are. Maybe they're older, maybe they're not, but they're spiritually further along than we are, and they take our hand and they help us. They have been invited to speak freely into our lives. We say to that person, whoever that is, you have permission to hold me accountable to these things that, that I'm struggling with. You have permission to point out the areas in my life that I miss, or the, the things in my life that I'm missing. Maybe something, a blind spot that I have. You're invited to point that out to me. That's what a discipleship relationship is. And we don't have to talk about why we don't really like all of that, right? Because that's just too much. It, there's too much risk involved with that. We're, we're too accountable, and we don't always like that, but it's what we need if we're going to really grow spiritually. And then along the way, we take the hand of somebody else who is less mature than we are spiritually, and we help them in the way that we are being helped in, and we talked about how, yes, discipleship is so much bigger than just my relationship with Jesus that I have been given the gift 
of support and accountability, and we profoundly need both. And here's, before we move on from the last word on discipleship for now, here's what I want you to really understand today. Don't miss this. Discipleship doesn't just happen, right? It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to stumble into an intentional discipleship relationship. It's not going to happen. You have to make it happen. You have to take the steps. You have to put in the work. You have to be willing to be committed to such a relationship. It's not just going to happen. So if you really want to grow, if you feel like you've been stuck for too long and you really just want to grow and you're ready to be spiritually mature, more spiritually mature, you got to take the appropriate steps to make it happen because it's not just going to happen. You have to be intentional, okay? I want you to understand that, that you have to be intentional. And then as we start thinking about these markers, these spiritual markers that we've talked about each week, if we're going to grow in these areas, we need discipleship to grow in these areas. There's certain things about the Bible that you're just not on board with, or you don't fully understand, and and you have questions. Well, that's what a disciple is for. A disciple is going to help you. Someone who is discipling you is going to help you with these things. Maybe you're struggling with prayer or what it looks like to be generous. That's what discipleship is for. It helps us to understand what these things look like in our lives in a very real way. And so discipleship is crucial to us growing spiritually and, in, and to us growing spiritually in these areas that we've talked about. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to hear that a lot this morning. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be in a discipleship relationship. You're called to be discipled and you're called to make disciples. Okay. So then we moved on and we started talking about these seven markers that that we can identify. These are things that, that we should see in our lives. These are evidences of the Holy Spirit working in our lives after those fruits that, that we talked about that first week. We talked about Bible engagement. We're gonna blaze right through this, so get ready. Bible engagement was was that second week, and we talked about how when when thinking about the Bible, it's important to know more than just little snippets of God's word, right? That that's not really gonna shape us. That just being able to memorize and say John 3.16, that's great, but that's not going to shape you, inform you. And, and so we need to know the whole story of God from beginning to end. Who is this God and who are we as God's people? We need to know the whole story. And that week, I hope you found it helpful, but I gave you several resources, and there's so much more out there, but resources that can help you rather than snack on God's word, but help you feast on God's word word and really just be soaking up God's word so that it shapes and forms you as a follower of Jesus. And I shared this quote with you that's worth sharing again from John R. W. Stott. He says, in the Bible, God gives us revelations of himself, which lead us to worship, leads us to promise of salvation, which stimulates our faith, and there's commandments that express his will, which demand our obedience. This is the meaning of Christian discipleship. Friends, church, disciples of Jesus engage in scripture and know the whole story of God. 
Then we talked about passionate prayer. And we talked about how for Jesus, prayer, communion, a deep abiding communion with God was as important as his next breath. There was no, uh, okay, let me back up. Jesus had prayer times, but, but that didn't stop at a certain time. It didn't start and end at a certain time. Jesus was in constant communion and communication with God. And for us, we can get so caught up in the structure and formality of prayer, both are important. I'm not knocking structure and formality when it comes to prayer, but we can get so caught up in it that we forget that it should just be an open-ended conversation and deep abiding communion with God. I shared this quote from you or with you from Dallas Willard, again, worth sharing again. He says, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. Eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. But a praying life is a life that is situated in prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. I love that. I love that so much, and that's what I want. That is what I want in my life Disciples of Jesus walk in daily, moment-by-moment communion with God. Then we talked about wholehearted worship, and we talked about how worship is not about us. It's about God, and that so often we make worship about us, right? Because we make it about our personal preferences. It's fine that you have preferences, but if your preferences are what's the most important to you, then you've got things out of order. Because worship isn't about singing the kind of songs you like, at the volume you like, in the type of atmosphere you like, with the kind of songs you like, or, or certain instruments that you like, or without certain instruments that you don't like. Those are all fine that you have preferences, but worship is about us and God, no one else. And we all worship in different ways, and that is okay, We talked about how worship is about a life of surrender, that I also worship God not just in song with my my arms physically open and and lifted, but my worship is, is living a life of surrender to God, moment by moment, each and every day. It means I push everything else off the throne, and God is first. Worship is about God and no one else nothing else. Disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus live a life of surrendered worship, and we recognize that worship is about God, and it's between us and God. Then we talked about humble service, and we looked at the life of Jesus, and and we talked about how to be like Jesus to grow as a disciple is to increase in humble service with each passing day, week, month, and year. We talked about how Jesus' mission in life was not to come and be served. The Lord of lords and the King of kings, the God of creation, did not come to be served. That should alone just right blow our mind. But then he lived that out. He served people each and every day. And if the King of kings and Lord of lords did not come to be served but to serve, then that's what we ought to be doing as well. We talked about, uh, we identified things that keep us from living this out. Go back and listen if you forgot or if you don't, if you don't know, but we talked about things that, that keep us from living this out, and we also identified that to live a life of humble service truly the way that Jesus did, not just doing a nice thing here and there or a good deed once every so often, but living a life of humble service is radically countercultural. You don't see it. People aren't 
usually living in this way. And so we talked about how living a life of humble service is rooted in seeing. You have to be looking and seeing those opportunities that already exist all around you. But we asked, are we seeing those? Disciples of Jesus are called not to be served, but to humbly serve others and look for ways to serve others daily. Then we talked about joyful generosity. This was probably your favorite one, right? Because you love when we talk about money and, and what you should do or not do. No, we didn't talk about that. Really, all we talked about that week was, was Zacchaeus and how the story of Zacchaeus teaches us some great things. We can learn a lot from that particular story and Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. But what we see in the story of Zacchaeus is someone who encountered the radical, generous love of Jesus, and he lived a life in response to that. And so you take a corrupted top dog tax collector whose one goal in life was to accumulate as much wealth and power as possible. And in response to the radical love of Jesus, he gave it all away and then some, right? He gave it all back and then some because that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. It's not about you should tithe this much and you should give this much and you should do this with your money or that with your money. It's about responding to the radical generosity of Jesus and living a life that is generous because that's what Jesus did. There is no specific idea of what that should look like for you. It's just living in response to what Jesus has done and being open to giving generously anytime you're prompted. Disciples of Jesus are called to live open-handedly, trusting in the abundance of God. Then last week, we talked about my favorite, consistent community. And we talked about how I'm guilty of using the word literally a lot. That's been pointed out to me many times, by the way. I am aware of this. My generation, we like that word, among others. But, but I, I shared with you that, no, no, we were literally created for relationship. That, that God had in mind when he created us, when he put us here when he put Adam with Eve or Eve with Adam, he had in mind relationship, community, and how the whole purpose of this life is to live in relationship with God and in relationship with others. And if we're not living in authentic, deep, open relationship with others, then we are not living in God's original design. We talked about the things, again, that keep us from living a communal life. There's lots of things that, you know, again, go back if you want to listen or, or if you don't know or if you need to just be reminded. This is, again, radically countercultural. We, we kind of left, I feel defeated when I leave that conversation because I'm like, this is just life. People don't live life in relationship anymore. People don't talk to people anymore. Neighbors don't talk to neighbors anymore. This is normal for us, and we have got to figure out a way to push against that and truly live in authentic community, consistent community, which is what we were created to live in, because disciples of Jesus live in communion with God and with others. They do not journey independently or alone. So here we are. Recapping each one of these weeks is important for a lot of reasons, but it's also important because we're on this journey, and this journey means that the good 
discipleship, proper discipleship is going to lead to growth in these areas. It's, it's more too, but specifically in these areas. And growth in these areas that we've been talking about over these past few weeks will lead us to what we're talking about for the next few minutes. These things, growth in these areas is going to lead us to organic outreach. Because outreach is the culmination of a follower of Jesus who recognizes that they are sent out into the world. Did you know that we're sent? We're sent out into the world. And we are to be open to the opportunities that exist around us. Let's do what we've done every week. Look, for, look to learn from Jesus. And when we're thinking about organic outreach, or and we'll talk about what the organic, it's not a buzzword, okay? It's not just because that's a trendy word to use. We'll talk about what organic means. But when you think about outreach and you think about Jesus, you have to remember and we have to acknowledge that God is always and will always be the first one to reach out. This is along with going back to knowing the whole story of God. Flip back to the Old Testament. Look through the Old Testament and you will see time and time again, God is always the first one to reach out. He is always the first one to reach out to his people. And so naturally, when we flip over to the New Testament, we see the same thing in Jesus. He's always the first one to reach out. Jesus slows down. He sees what's around him. He pays attention to people around him. He looks at people in the face. He notices and sees them, and he responds to them. We've talked a, a few times over this series about kind of some mission statements that we see in the Gospels. And one of those was, for the Son of Man did not come to serve, or did not come to be served, but to serve. And another one we see is in Luke chapter 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's another mission statement. This is something that Jesus lived out each and every moment of each and every day. He came to find and save the lost. And that's important for us to know. But guess what? That's not new information, right? <laughs> None of you learned that for the first time right here, right now. This is not breaking news. But, but we have to understand why this was Jesus' mission. Why was this how Jesus lived? Why is this important for us to recognize? What is it that motivated Jesus besides the fact that he was Jesus, <laughs> right? And I think we see what motivated him in Matthew chapter 9. I love these few verses. They are they're so good, but they are so challenging. In Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know what that tells me? They were lost. They were lost. Then he said to the disciples, this is heavy stuff. He looks back to his disciples who are behind him. He's looking out at all these people and he looks back and he says a hard word to the disciples. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but there's only 12 of you. That's not what he said. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. Friends, what you need to know is that Jesus' compassion always was always followed by action. 
Jesus was overwhelmed, gripped with compassion, so much so that he could not refrain from responding to it. Scholar Robert Snow says this. He said, the Greek word for compassion implies deep pity, but not like, oh, poor you. Deep pity or sympathy, overwhelming sympathy. And I love how he points out whenever Matthew uses this term, it's always followed by action. So whenever you see this term, compassion in Matthew, you're always going to see action follow. He gives a few examples. Healing in chapter 14, feeding in chapter 15, forgiving debt in chapter 18, healing the blind in chapter 20. It's a word which describes the Jesus of the Gospels in a nutshell. Jesus was motivated by compassion and action always followed. Not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when I can post about it on social media, Not when the pastor's breathing down my neck to be more compassionate and and active in my faith. Always. What about us? I'm not asking in a way that implies something I already think or believe. I'm genuinely asking, is that true for us? Is that true for me? Is that true for you? As we kind of look inward... And as we identify and acknowledge our journey, what does this look like for us? Is this the case for us? Because the impression I get in verse 37 is is that the need is too great and that there's not enough people to meet the need. That might be a little bit of a pessimistic view to take on verse 37, but I read verse 37 and I hear Jesus saying, the need is too great and there's not enough people. Not enough people orient their lives around the need. Not enough people are awake and aware of the need that exists, that is there, that's being missed every single day. The harvest is great, but there's no workers. Are we so overcome with compassion for the lost that we orient our lives in such a way that makes space for the people around us? Does action follow our compassion? Robert Snow again says, the compassion and mercy of God himself, fully revealed in his son, enables us not only to see the need around us, but to respond in tangible ways. Friends, the truth that I... There's a lot of truths that I need you to understand today. Can you keep up? (laughs) There's a lot that I want you to take away, but think about this for just a moment. Jesus' mission is our mission. Compassion for and connection with the world around us should matter to us because it mattered to Jesus. It should be a way of life for us because it was a way of life for Jesus. We should orient our lives around this because Jesus oriented his life around this. It should overwhelm us with compassion in such a way that we do something intentional because it overwhelmed Jesus in such a way that he did something intentional. It should be our mission because this was Jesus' mission. He came to find, locate the lost, and point them to the light 
which was himself, and we point them to Jesus. And he's called us to do it right where we are. That's where organic comes in. Organic outreach is is not going and looking for new and exciting ways that you can reach your community or the world around you. It's about opening up your eyes and noticing right where you are, noticing the opportunities that already exist all around you because they are there. This is it. This is the lifestyle to which we are called. Can you tell that I feel really passionate and convicted that we don't always pay attention? I don't always pay attention. I will be the first one to admit it. I miss opportunities all the time because I'm too busy doing pastor stuff. Right? So how does organic outreach transform the world? If you've been paying attention, you notice that that's different language than we've used each week. See, each week we've asked the question, how does each marker lead us to the world? How does Bible engagement lead me to the world? How does passionate prayer lead me to the world, right? Today we're asking a different question. How does organic outreach in the way that we see in the life of Jesus, how does that transform the world? Because, see, we're now aware that up until now these markers have led us to the world They have brought us to the world, and now we are aware of the world that is around us that we've been called to. Are you with me? You're noticing this world that you've been called to, and you are aware of the opportunities that exist all around you. The first week, we asked one last important question that I didn't mention earlier, and that is, what's the relationship between discipleship and mission? Do we really have to focus on both? Can't we just emphasize one and and we'll get to the other one later? What's the relationship? How do we make these two play nice together? And we talked about how uh, discipleship and mission are connected always. They're basically married. They're marriage partners. When you have one, you have the other. When you have someone who is growing in discipleship, you're going to have someone that's on mission because that's the purpose of discipleship, to send you out on mission with God. When we're growing spiritually, when we're being discipled, and when we're discipling others, we are pursuing the Great Commission. We are partnering with God, and we are reaching the world around us, helping them to see God's love and moving them just a little bit closer to Jesus. You still with me? Wow. (laughs) All right. Hang with me. If I lost you, come back. We're almost done. As you think about all of this, I know, this is a lot. I told Jim earlier, I said, are you so excited for next week when we just have one passage and we'll just take one thing away from that passage? I'm kind of ready for that again. It's been a lot. But I'm, it's important. But as you think about all of this, I just want you to imagine for a moment your daily setting. If you have to close your eyes to do it, fine, close your eyes. But I want you to just imagine for a moment your daily setting. What does your everyday life typically look like? I want you to imagine, get in your mind right now, a picture of your neighborhood. Who do you see when you pull up at the end of a long day? Imagine your neighborhood. Who is that person that walks by your house every single day with their dog at 5 o'clock, never fails? There's ice on the ground, and he's still walking his dog every day at 5 o'clock. Who is that person? What's his name? 
Imagine your workplace for a moment. Who are you talking to in the break room? What are your engagements with your boss or your employees like? Who do you see? Who do you know? Imagine the same thing for your school, your gym, the park, the local coffee shop, wherever it is, whatever it looks like for you. Can you picture it? And for those of you who are like, oh, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm home. It's just me and my dog or my cat. Friends, it's time to get out of the house and start going places. It's time to get out and go find people. Or focus on, you know, spouse and kids because there's, there's a message there too. But it's time to get out. As you think about your everyday environment, I want you to now imagine what does it look like to scatter seeds Every day. Scatter seeds. What does that look like for you? Are you doing that? Have you ever thought about that? Do you even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what does it look like to scatter seeds in these places? Because that's what organic outreach is. It's dropping little seeds right where you are every day, doing the hard, faithful work of just showing up and seeing what's right in front of you. Kevin Harney, the author of this book that inspired this series, he says, organic outreach is about sharing our life. This is good news for people who are like, ah, evangelism is scary. People will look at me like I'm crazy. This is good news for you. You're going to like this. He says, organic outreach is about sharing our life and faith in a way that is natural for us. It should feel comfortable for the people to whom we are speaking. That doesn't mean the message is going to be comfortable, by the way, okay, because the message of, of Jesus is is." confronts things, and we don't always like that. It doesn't mean the message is comfortable. It means the way in which you're sharing the message is comfortable, organic. It's coming as the result of a relationship. Are you with me? It should feel comfortable for the people to whom we are speaking. Every encounter is unique, and in every encounter, we can love, listen, pray, and share in a way that fits the person and the situation. That's what organic outreach is. When we say organic outreach, that's what we mean. What does it look like for you? Make it personal. What does it look like for you to scatter seeds right where you are each and every day? Friends, we, listen, so much good stuff here. We follow a creative God. Do you know that? He is a God of creativity, and he is already and always looking for ways to use you, ways that you haven't even thought of, ways, unique ways that you haven't even imagined. God is like 10 steps ahead of you already working in the lives of people around you, and he's just waiting for you to show up. He's already doing the hard work. He's just waiting for you to get there in a way that is natural and organic and comfortable for you. Again, not comfortable as in... You know, you know what I mean? He is a God of, of never-ceasing, never-ending creativity who is passionate about reaching lost people. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's pretty passionate about it. The harvest is plenty, but the people who are willing to show up and scatter seeds, they're few. The moment you've all been waiting for, I'm going to invite the praise team to come back. And as they are, as we prepare to respond with a song that I think is going to just really tie it all up, as they come back, I just want to remind you that you're supposed to be seed sowers. 
much like we see in Jesus' parables in Matthew 13. We notice in Matthew 13, just just kind of giving you a a touch point, basically, something to reference when I say seed sowers or seed scatterers, we are to faithfully and intentionally scatter seeds where we are, where God has placed us. That's what we're called to do. God's the one doing the work. God is the one cultivating the soil. That's not your job. Get your hand out of the soil because that's God's job. You're just called to scatter the seeds. And also, good news, there may be a lot of shortages, but there is no shortage of seeds. There is no shortage of seeds. You have access to all the seeds, so scatter them generously because God is generous. God lavishes his love generously, and so we can scatter all the seeds knowing that that God is the one doing the work. And we never know when that seed is going to take root, right? We never know when that seed is going to turn into something beautiful. And quite frankly, can I just be honest, it doesn't happen often enough. And that makes us tired and discouraged. And we want to give up and walk away because we just don't see it. We want to see the fruits of our efforts and labors, right? We want to see something tangible. We're people of productivity, and productivity means I'm seeing something tangible. That's not kingdom work. We're called later on in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the mustard seed, and he talks about how this tiny, minuscule seed has the power to create something that is not so tiny and not so minuscule. And friends, this is a reminder of God's faithfulness. God is the one that's already doing the heavy lifting. God is already the one that's doing all of the work. He's just asking us to be faithful where he's planted us. So will we? Would you pray with me? God, we are incredibly challenged by this reminder this morning. And God, I've already said enough. So Lord, I just invite you to speak into our hearts. As we respond with this song, I just invite you, God, to make this personal for us. God, show us what this looks like. Give us a renewed compassion and awareness. And God, we repent for being unfaithful, for being unwilling to pause and to see And God, we ask you to help us to see and help us to be faithful in scattering these seeds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
What a perfect song, right? To just capture that cry and that what I hope to be our vision. I'm going to ask you to dream with me for a minute, okay? Open up your minds and dream with me for just a few minutes. You guys know that, that I am passionate clearly about us living this, what we've just talked about, out right where God has placed us, in your own homes, your own zip codes, your own neighborhoods, your own workplaces. Like, that's where you need to go and be and do. But I'm also passionate about the church that has, the church, our church and others included, but the church, you know, we occupy a portion of a community. And so often we want to benefit from that, right? Can we be honest about that? The church really just, A lot of times, if we're not careful, we just want to benefit 
from this space that we, in which we occupy in our locations. And so I'm passionate about, the Lord has really given me this vision for several years now in ministry of, of the church being a, a, this is a crazy thought, but the church being a blessing to its community, not by going out and doing big extravagant things, although sometimes we are called to do that and we should do that, but by just looking for ways that we can bless those in our neighborhood. Belleville is a, a big community, and it's overwhelming to think of the needs of, that might exist in Belleville, right? And so I'm passionate about us just opening up our eyes right where we are, right here on Lebanon and Lake Christine, and just noticing the opportunities that might exist right here. You with me? And so the board, our church board, we gathered together last spring, and we started vision casting for the year, and we thought, what does this look like? It's a phrase we use all the time. I've, I'm come, I've become aware. What does this look like? What does it look like, though, for us, for BFCN, to be people? We've identified this is what we want to do, but, but how do we do this? And over the past year, you've seen us make efforts to reach out to neighbors, get to know them a little bit, learn who they are, not so that they come here and benefit us, but so we, the church, can somehow benefit and bless them. Does that make sense? And so when we thought about, we just thought about, like, what could we, you know, people don't just flood into the church buildings anymore, right? That's not happening anymore. I'm not saying that it will never happen again or that it can't happen, but it's just, it's not. And so we have to do this crazy thing called going out. We have to go out to where the people are. And so how do we do that? If they're not coming in, what do we do to meet them where they are? And so we thought about our property. We thought, well, what do we have to offer here on this really nice piece of property. What can we use, what can we do with this property that benefits our community? And so after a lot of, of thinking, talking, throwing around ideas, praying, lots of praying, and lots of talking to neighbors, like we've casually just asked our neighbors, like, hey, what, what is something that you would be interested in? If we were to do this, this, or this, like what's something that would catch your interest? What's a way we can come together as a community and just do life together? What's, what's a common interest that we might have? And the thing that has surprisingly come up, and I say surprising because I'm not super passionate about gardening or planting or growing things because I'm not very good at it, but the thing that has just come up time and time again is this idea or thought of a community garden. And so I would say that right now we're in the process of discerning still. We've, the, the church board and just some other people I've talked to within the church, we've just kind of thought, you know, yeah, that might be something. Like, we don't feel bad about that. That feels like that might be a good idea. It feels very overwhelming, okay? I'm not going to hide anything. <laughs> I don't know what the, what, how this is going to happen or what, you know, what the next steps are necessarily because... I know nothing about a community garden. I asked the Lord for a coffee shop, but he said no. No one else had that vision. So community garden, I guess. But we're still in the process of discerning in a way because I can't promise that, that I can do this or that the church board can do this. Like we need other people to get on board and to show interest and say, I would be willing to help with that. What we're really praying for is someone, whether they're in this church or not, 
I don't care if it's stranger from the community. What we're really praying for is that somebody would feel so passionate that they would be in charge and, and lead the way in this. Someone to tell me what to do and how to do it and get organized, you know? That's what I'm praying for. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with us. Pray about that with me that, that somebody will, if this is what we're supposed to do and we're in discerning process, we're trying to figure out, is this what, does this make sense? And so I want you to think about that, pray about that, and let me know if you're interested in that. There's a, a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and I'm not trying to, like, rook you into anything. I just need to know that there's interest and support, because we can't do this without interest and support. Otherwise, it's not going to be organic, right? And you don't get any more organic than a garden. Come on, right? This really ties together nicely, doesn't it? But we, we need to feel passionate about this, and so I'm inviting you to pray let me know if you're interested just so I can feel some sense of confirmation and affirmation. And let's talk about what this looks like. <laughs> let's figure out what this looks like. So there's a sign-up sheet out there. Please just jot your name down, and that way I can just know. Also, listen, before we share announcements, I, just, I can't end a series in which we've talked a lot about discipleship without, talking about, without reminding you that if you're interested in, in just growing in the area of discipleship, we're here for you in that as well. If you want to just be maybe trained or mentored a little bit or discipled, we have people that are so passionate about, about the church being discipled and being disciple makers, and we just need to know who, who needs help. Who can we help? Who can we come alongside and, and, and help them to incorporate this in their everyday life? If you're interested in more discipleship um, conversations, there's also a sign-up sheet for that too. Not trying to rookie in anything. I just, we want to be here for you and help you in this, okay? All right. Well, I'm excited about the days ahead. Are you? I just feel hopeful that if this isn't it, we're going to find what it is. But we just want to figure out how the Lord wants to use us. Here we are. We're available, right? We're available. All right, I'm going to ask the uh, sound team, the tech guys, if they will play this video for Restore. Um, we're going to talk about the Restore banquet in a moment, but we want to share this quick video with you. Hi, everybody. Ashley Alm here with the Restore Network. We're so excited to announce that on March 24th, we'll be hosting our annual Restore Network banquet. Um, this is an excellent opportunity for us to be able to share with you some stories from people and things that have been happening through the Restore Network ministry um, and celebrating the way that God is moving on behalf of kids in foster care um, because of the support of people like you. So please mark your calendars for March 24th and sign up today to join a watch party. All right, so she said it. There you go. Thursday, March 24th, we are going to have that watch party here at the church at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. Uh, we'd like to feed you and just have a time of, of table fellowship together as well. So we're asking that if you plan to attend, this, this is a yearly event that we hold. So if you plan to attend, let us know by March 20th, if you would RSVP by March 20th, just so we know how many to prepare for, because it takes a lot of work and preparation. So uh, go ahead and mark your calendars and let us know. Uh, today is going to be the last Sunday to drop off your alabaster offering. So if you have just kind of been waiting until the last minute, the last minute is now. It's here. So go ahead and drop that off today. And the box is out in the foyer. You can't miss it. 
And when you head out into the foyer, you're going to see a table of beautiful baked goods set up for you, okay? And you can purchase um, some of those baked goods, and all of the proceeds from those purchases is going to go to kind of refuel our benevolence fund um, that, that we use frequently at the church. And so that's, that's what that is about. So make sure you support that and you get delicious treats um, as a result of that. And uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday, is the first day of, of the season of Lent. And so that means Ash Wednesday is Wednesday. And so here at the church, we're going to have a service. Um, so that's going to be this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. And also, let us know if you haven't got a book. See Karen, and we've got those devotional books, These 40 Days. Uh, that's a devotional that, that goes along with the sermons and the messages throughout the season of Lent. Um, so if you still want one of those, see her. This morning, as soon as, uh, as soon as we are dismissed, the worship team is going to be meeting in the sanctuary, so don't forget to stick around for that. We've got some food and drinks to hold you over until you can get maybe a bigger meal a little bit later, but, but stick around for that. And then I think this is the last thing, finally, um, our church has the, the privilege of hosting the Zone Rally that's going to be March 21st. Um, that's a, I think they do that once every quarter, and so we're going to be able to hear from missionaries John and Vicki Moore. And so that's going to be here at our church, uh, March 21st at 7 p.m., so uh, just go ahead and note that if you'd like to attend. We'd love to have you all here. And I think that is everything, so I'm going to invite you all to stand. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and peace of our Lord who is at work all around you, and I pray that you would go and reach out to the world around you this week. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.